We believe that complex health problems are better solved collaboratively and best informed by data. Healthy by Design, presented by the Health Collaborative, explores people and projects leading the charge to improve health and healthcare in greater Cincinnati and beyond. Join us for conversations, interviews, and the occasional deep thought on how we're collectively solving healthcare's toughest challenges. This episode is sponsored by Tier 1 Healthcare. How do you activate the potential of your healthcare team? It all starts with your people. Tier 1 Healthcare combines clinical expertise with neuroscience to unleash your team's potential, activate your strategic goals, and provide safe, quality patient-centered care. Learn more at tier1healthcare.com. My name is Krista, and welcome back to Healthy by Design. With me today is my faithful sidekick, Brian Kegley. Hello. Today we will be interviewing our CEO, Craig Brammer. Craig, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. This is my uh, inaugural THC podcast. That's pretty cool. We're so excited to have you. Um, so we're just going to go ahead, dive in with some questions. Brian, why don't you start us off? <laughs> All right. So, uh Tell us the highlights from the past year, and what are you most proud of? Uh, wow, man. I, I am – I mean, I'm most proud of the team just for being – the Health Collaborative team for being such a uh, smart, properly motivated group of people who are, you know, supporting and engendering a work-hard-player culture to, to – uh, improve health and healthcare across greater Cincinnati. And I'm just, uh, I think the thing that I get most excited about these days is not the more technical work, although it's impressive in whether it's technology or payment reform or QI stuff or emergency preparedness, all that, but it's more just seeing all you guys uh, building relationships across the community and, and appreciating the trust that you've, um, that the whole team has, from leaders from business to purchasers, health, uh, health insurance companies, civic leaders, but also importantly, healthcare leaders across the region. I like that. Yeah, the relationships are key for us to be able to get the things we need to get done done. I kind of have a weird question. So imagine this, so fill in the blank. 2019 will be most remembered for what in healthcare? Well, let's see. I, I, I don't know if I know for sure. Obviously, I don't know for sure. But um, I do think that the uh, Apple Ascension uh, big news hoop-de-doop will have ramifications. And for people who don't know, it was announced in the uh, press that one of the largest health systems in the country was using, uh, had a contract with app with, um, I'm sorry, Google to not Apple, take that back with Google to do, um, analytic kind of work. And, um, everybody kind of freaked out and most people who were freaking out didn't realize that that pretty much happens all the time. Uh, this, these are totally allowable under, HIPAA regulations that a healthcare provider can have a business associates agreement with a technology vendor. And there was very clear use case and they had very clear um, work they were trying to do. I think what it smacked up against was uh, Americans' um, concern and, and, and uh, even distrust of some of the big tech companies. And I think that will have, I think everything going forward in the near term at least that has to do with 
consumer health data will be kind of um, pressure tested up against that um, that particular example. Well, Krista has asked you to look back. I'm going to ask you to use a crystal ball a little bit more. Um, I've got a few topics that I want to present to you and have you give me your prediction for 2020. So uh, uh, big topic, costs and transparency. Where's that going? The um, Let's see. The uh, What day are we on? Wednesday. So Sunday, the um, Senate um, announced sort of a revival of their surprise medical billing legislation that had received bipartisan support and um, then kind of floundered and now it looks like I predict it'll pass by the end of 2019 and not only around surprise medical billing but also there's other um, important uh, legislative you know a whole bunch of healthcare is touched by that piece of legislation but on surprise billing in particular you know the issue is that uh, half of Americans report having received a medical bill that they did not anticipate and those are often the uh, result of the fact that you think you're going to a health system that's in network but it turns out the anesthesiologist or the emergency medicine doc is actually works for a private company a separate company is not in your network and you get billed fully for that so um you know people are go you know you get in a Fender bender or worse, and you end up in an emergency room, and then suddenly you get a medical bill from for medical services because part of that clinical team was out of your network. You didn't know it. And so I think Congress is going to address that. It's a pretty simple thing for the average person to understand. Doesn't seem fair. Um, paying my health insurance bill, et cetera. And then, um, but along with that are quite a few other. Um, non-trivial legislative efforts, including um, about tobacco legislation, about funding for safety net, clinical practice. This is always the case. There's a big headline piece of uh, legislation, uh, but there's also a lot underneath it. Uh, well, safe to assume that would change some of the consumer experience for uh, 2020 as well. Any other thoughts on how that might be different? I think the march will go forward around consumers um, experiencing uh, or the consumer experience around digital health and uh, more and more technology solutions will be thrown at, con at consumers and they'll have to figure out what's real and what's um, junk. I also think there'll be more testing of um, alternative models and home-based care kind of things and telehealth. So I think consumers are in for, you know, it's going to change a lot over the next several years. And another big topic, uh, looking to change for 2020. What uh, what do you see for delivery system and trans delivery system transformation? Well, my personal view is that despite um, some prominent naysayers, I actually think that the country is marching at a pretty steady pace toward outcomes-based payment or value-based payment, and uh, implications that will be um, pretty profound for those in the delivery system, and they'll have to really reorient the way they. Um, think about delivering healthcare services. Uh, so I don't see that slowing down, and I think that you know I'm a sort of a naively optimistic that that is going to um, have net positive value. We, you know, after all, we want to pay for health, we want to pay for outcomes, positive outcomes, productivity, um, and not just volume and intensity of medical services. 
you know, and along with that value-based care uh, transition to it and looking forward to that, um, do you see data and analytics being incorporated a lot more uh, for health systems? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just like every other part of the economy, the health sector is increasingly dependent upon sophisticated analytics. What I don't think will happen is this huge artificial intelligence revolution that, you know, radically upends the health sector. I think there are very precision uh, focused opportunities to use machine learning. You know, frankly, the problems in healthcare are so huge that you can see them from the moon. You know, we don't need uh, uh, fancy computer science to understand what to do to get better. Uh, you know, we need histograms. I mean, we need to be counting things and measuring how to get better at um, pretty concrete factors before we're ready for some high fancy math, in my humble opinion. And what do you see for uh, interoperability between all those different systems or even uh, consumer data access to the to uh, their own information? Yeah, the big news on that front is the adoption of a new interoperability standard called FHIR. Uh, the acronym is FHIR, F-H-I-R, that stands for Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resource. And it is the first time, really, that we've had a API-based approach that non-healthcare actors understand and can plug into. You know, heretofore we've had like these super local um, codes and ontologies that when we started getting national agreement on some of those and, and increasingly, but it's still just within the health sector. And um, I think these new API approaches, you know, these this is the same way that, um, you know, I use my iPhone to figure out what movie I want to watch. Well, there's not, not like a, every movie known to man in every geography in the world on my phone. It My phone knows where I am and it pings the, the network through an API application programming interface and then it pulls back the specific data that I need and uh, that's what this FHIR API strategy does for the health sector and, and I think it's going to quickly enable interoperability within the health sector, but probably more importantly, with um, actors outside the health sector. And I'm actually pretty excited about it. I like the idea of the data following uh, patient longitudinally uh, wherever it goes and not having to drag around paper charts. So at API feed and however you link into any EHR or a claim system or your doctor or anything, that, that is, that's actually really exciting to me. The health sector is so heavily regulated, but that's an area where you can see the government really pushing hard, and I think the industry will have no choice but to respond. Absolutely. I think this definitely has the potential when people can see their own health data and see those trends. I think it's really powerful, and that way people kind of know the direction of their treatment, where they've been, and where they're going. Um, but kind of back to where you were talking about before, Craig, is that everyone is kind of watching and waiting to see what these big tech companies do. And one of the recent um, outcomes has been around Amazon. So what do you think about the impact of like the Apples, the Walmarts, the Amazon on our healthcare? Yeah, so that's gotten a lot of attention lately and um, appropriately. And I think that, um, you know, these big companies are going to test new models. Amazon, you mentioned there, um, they've got a rock star leader now, Atul Gwande, who, um, you know, writes a lot of books and writes for the New Yorker and all that and has a big brand. 
is a super smart guy, and they are deploying some new approaches for um, uh, employees, and they'll be testing that. What I ultimately think, though, is that um, it's just going to put pressure on the traditional delivery system. I think it will um, spur greater and faster innovation for the the um, regular hospital and doctor and health plan ecosystem. I don't expect anytime soon, you know, major takeover of the health sector from these big technology or big, big, uh, you know, international um, corporations. But when you see like Amazon bought PillPack, you know, that's the leading. Um, get your uh, you can uh, get your pills online or your medications online in a very conven- consumer convenient way. You can see what they're testing and see where they're poking at. And I think, I hope the delivery system responds appropriately from that pressure. It's definitely going to be the thing to watch in 2020. I agree. Uh, Amazon knows more about us than our physicians do. And I think that's probably sadly more accurate than I'd like it to be. Um, So a, a lot of the folks who tune into this podcast are members of the Health Collaborative or at the very least very much affected by the work that's done at the collaborative. Uh, what's one thing you'd want them to know um, as either members or consumers? Well, uh, this would be no surprise to you guys because I talk about this all the time, but you know, my fundamental belief in the premise of the work that we do in our region is that uh, at the end of the day, uh, healthcare and health more broadly doesn't get better unless and until local leaders lead. And so I, um, uh, and our team fellow since responsibility to keep track of national trends and some of the things we've talked about here today, um, watching uh, federal policy, for example. But at the, at the end of the day, um, it's when leaders come together and put away their swords. Sometimes these, are compet- these leaders are competitors. And when they agree to work on things together as a community, um, that's when real things happen. That's when real improvement happens that affect real, normal um, the lives of people in greater Cincinnati. I think it's so important what the Health Collaborative does and getting everybody just at the table to talk about a common problem and develop a collaborative solution. And I think that's, that's what will move healthcare forward, especially bringing it back to those relationships that you previously talked about. But I have a really, really important question that we try to ask most people. So, coffee or tea? Ah, that's easy when coffee all day long. I don't, I don't trust <laughs> <Got it>. people. <laughs> I don't trust people who drink coffee, actually. Interesting. Why policy? I don't trust people who drink keep decaf. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so along the same lines of important questions, uh, what's the greatest band of all time? Oh, come on, Brian! The greatest band of all time. That's what asked me which my. You know, which of my kids are my favorite. Um, <laughs> I mean, you have a favorite, right? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 of course not. Absolutely not. Definitely not. Uh, I'm a big Radiohead fan and have been for a long time, so I'll, I'll, I'll say Radiohead. Check this out, you guys. I had a, I had a friend in Cincinnati, uh, a guitar player I was with. He was playing, this a couple years ago, but he was playing at a, a little wine bar. It's like the middle of the week, like a Wednesday night or something. And he said, hey, Brammer, come down and I'll play OK Computer, a famous Radiohead album. <laughs> he said, from start to finish on an acoustic guitar. And uh, in my head, I'm saying, yeah, sure you will, Nick. That's not possible. 
And uh, sure enough, that guy spent, you know, what is it, an hour or something like that, front to front to end, the beginning to last note, uh, acoustic guitar. Wow. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I just wanted to thank you too for um, taking this on, this podcast project. And um, I think it's very uh, cool to have a local perspective. And I think what you guys are doing, I hope more and more people will listen to it. And um, and so, and you know, I'm huge fans of, uh, of YouTube, uh, the Brian and Krista show here. So thanks for doing it. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Craig, for joining us. And thank you for listening. We wish you a happy and safe holiday season. Thanks again to our guests. Original music provided by Stephen W. Kuffner.